Thank you, Evan. And thank you to the ones who've taken part this morning and shared various things with us. There'll be notes of today's study on the table at the back when we finish and then also a few from last week. Now in chapter 1, we looked at four events that Luke wanted us to note to do with events that happened prior to the birth of the Lord Jesus. And those four events were the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist and then the announcement of the birth of Jesus. Third one was the visit of Mary to Elizabeth and then the fourth one, the actual birth of John the Baptist. And then we noted some general points from those four events they featured unexpected people. Not the newsmakers of the day, but humble people who believed in God. And then, although Greece and Rome were dominant powers of that age, Luke stresses the significance of Israel, the nation, the people whom God had chosen. And then there were the series of supernatural events involving angels and the Holy Spirit. And actually those events provide for us a pattern for the ways God intervenes in human history throughout all of the ages, the past, but we were interested in the future when Jesus comes Again, These were all part of God's plan of salvation that unfolded through history and Luke wanted Theophilus, his friend, and then all of us who subsequently read his gospel to know that God's word is truth. So the coming of Jesus is more than a manger And the story is much bigger than Bethlehem. Now another little bit of background. When Paul returned to Jerusalem after his various missionary journeys, he was arrested and he spent two years in detention in Caesarea. Luke, as his faithful companion, seem to have stayed in the area with Paul and supported him. And it's likely that he spent those two years in researching material that he subsequently gave us in his gospel. And it is highly likely that this would have included long conversations with various people, including Mary. So we come now to chapter 2 and in this chapter Luke deals with three more events associated with the actual birth of Jesus and then the early years of his life and these events are the birth of Jesus and the angel's visit to the shepherds and then Jesus presented at the temple as a young babe and Simeon's response. And then the third event is Jesus at the temple a few years later 
and his discussions with the teachers in the temple. Now, while other people are mentioned, uh, we can see that it's actually Jesus who takes the central place in this chapter. Now, for each event, Luke has been careful to do two things. One is describe to us in general what happened, but then to look at what people said about Jesus in those three events. This young, inexperienced couple, uh, a long way from home, in awkward and difficult circumstances, riding on a donkey of all things, finally find that there is no room for them in the inn. One writer has said, when Christ first came among us, he was pushed into a backshed. And we have done our best to keep him there ever since. It must have been a very difficult time for Joseph and Mary. And yet Luke looks beyond those immediate problems. And at verse 8 he starts a second paragraph, the one that was read for us, and he writes about some shepherds in nearby hills. They become the focus of this first event in chapter 2. An angel visited these men with a message from God. And of course on reflection we would say that message was actually a turning point in human history. A great company of other angelic beings appeared and gave glory to God. Then all was quiet again. And the shepherds had decided they would go and see these things that they had been told about. And they found it was true. Now just pause for a minute. It is strange that such a message was given to shepherds. Now we would be very surprised today if an announcement of national importance was given first to collectors of rubbish bins or cleaners of public conveniences in a country town. And yet that's what it was like at the time. God's long-promised plan of salvation was told to a few poorly educated fellows out in a paddock after it was dark. But that's what happened. But now Luke wants us to take note of some things that were said. So what did the angel say? Beginning in verse 10, the angel said to them, the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Joel, these are good verses, aren't they? Today in the town of David a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. This baby would be called Jesus. 
And that word means the Lord is salvation. Now actually several people had that name in those days. But this angelic visitor on the first Christmas night explained why this news of this newly born child was good news of great joy for all people. Now first, the angel described Jesus as a saviour. Jewish people knew well from the Old Testament prophets that... um, People faced a big problem. They had sinned. And everyone who sins would die. That was a universal predicament. But now a saviour had come who would deal with that universal problem. That was good news. Yes, the host of angels could sing glory to God. For what this Saviour would do meant that there could indeed be peace on earth. Now secondly, the angel described the new baby as Christ. That was not a name, but rather a title. It was the same as the Greek word Messiah and meant anointed one. Now in the Old Testament, some people and some things were set apart for God's use by the process of anointing. Now this new babe was set apart and empowered by God for a unique purpose, to bring back to God people who had rebelled against him. Now third, the angel described the baby as the Lord. Now this is absolutely surprising for this was the Old Testament name for God himself. Luke used the word 17 times in these two chapters in that sense, referring to God Now the tiny babe in that manger was actually God himself appearing in human form. Elsewhere we read the baby would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That is why the message from the angel is good news bringing great joy to all the people although it's likely that in that verse all the people means all the people of Israel that's the first event now the second event Jesus coming to the temple very soon after he was born and Simeon's response verses 22 to 40 Now after a few weeks the young Jewish couple travelled to Jerusalem to fulfil requirements for Jewish parents who had new babies. Those requirements had been set out in the law of Moses and we can read them today in Leviticus chapter 12. 
But there's something else that happened on that day that took Luke's interest. He heard about a man called Simeon. And all we know about him is told us in verse 25. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now in the past, Israel had suffered many setbacks because of disobedience. And they had suffered for that. But God had promised through the Old Testament prophets that he would console his people. He would comfort his people. There's a verse in Isaiah 51.3. The Lord will surely comfort his people and will look with compassion upon them. Now Simeon was a believer. He was probably an old man. And he was still waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. Now God had shown him that he would not die until he saw the one who would fulfill the promise. One day he went into the temple courts and then he was overcome. He saw a family, a little baby, And it came to him, this, this is the one who will fulfill that promise. And he took the little baby in his arms. Luke goes on to tell us that there was someone else there that day in the temple. In fact, she was always there. Her name was Anna, a very old widow and a prophetess. She also met the young family and she gave thanks to God for what she had seen and went about telling others about the news of Jesus. Well, that's what happened. But Luke wants us to take notice of what Simeon said. In verses 29 to 32, We have the words of his song as he was inspired by the Spirit to give praise to God. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now you may dismiss your servant in peace. Your promise has been fulfilled. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. And what is it? It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. It will be for glory for the Jews, the people Israel. Now we can understand perhaps Mary's surprise and Joseph's shock at the response of this stranger in the temple court. And yet the Holy Spirit through that man added to what the angels had said earlier. Salvation through Jesus would be available for all people, for Gentiles and for Jews. It would overcome all cultural and religious barriers and would bring hope to all people of all time 
everywhere. Simeon blessed the couple and then he added a further word to Mary. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and a sword will pierce your own soul too. People sometimes wonder what does that mean? And I'm sure at the time Mary wondered what it meant. But Simeon's word to Mary implied that the announcement of that universal salvation would not automatically bring universal positive response. While salvation would be available to everyone, it would actually present everyone with a challenge. You will have to decide about this salvation. Salvation would be available to all, but each person had to choose. And some would reject it. Some would accept. In Simeon's words, some would rise. Some would fall. Later in his gospel, of course, Luke goes on to tell us about the violent opposition that came from those who did reject Jesus, eventually resulting in his crucifixion. And in chapter 23 and verse 49, as Jesus died on the cross, he tells us that the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching. Now it's John who tells us that in that group who stood watching was Mary. Yes, a sword of sorrow did pierce her soul also. But now back to verse 40 in chapter 2. The family returned to Nazareth and then there's just the general statement from Luke, the child Jesus grew and the grace of God was upon him. We move on to the third event. Jesus presented in the temple now Jesus visits the temple and we hear about his discussions with the teachers verses 41 to 52 Jesus was 12 and the family again visited Jerusalem along with lots of others to celebrate Passover which was an annual event and when it came time to return home the people turned off went off up the road Jesus stayed behind They'd gone quite some distance before they realised what had happened. Hey, where is Jesus? Can you imagine Mary and Joseph's concern at that moment? In verse 45, Luke tells us, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him. In the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding. And then at a convenient moment, Mary said to him in verse 48, 
your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now Luke wants us to listen carefully to what Jesus said in reply to Mary. Mary and Joseph had been deeply concerned thinking Jesus was somehow lost. But Jesus was not concerned. And so he gave his reply to Mary in verse 49. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know? I had to be about my father's business. I had to be in my father's house. Mary and Joseph were astonished to find their boy sitting here discussing things with the teachers. Jesus knew what was happening. But he seems to be surprised that they did not know. Jesus submitted to life in the house of Joseph and Mary at Nazareth. And we notice the lowercase f in the word father in verse 48 when Mary spoke. Jesus knew that he was the son of God. God was his true father. And so there's a capital F for father when we come to verse 49 when Jesus speaks. Yes, it was right for him to be in Joseph's house in Nazareth but he knew it was right for him also to be in his father's house in Jerusalem, that is, in the temple where God was present among his people. Luke adds the interesting little comment, Mary and Joseph just did not understand the full significance of the occasion. And Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Mothers do that, don't they? And some years later Jesus said to Jews in the same temple area I and my father are one. That was a vital truth spoken by Jesus himself. Now about 400 years later it was well stated in the Apostles' Creed which begins with the words I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary. Now Jesus spoke on another occasion about his father's house. As the time of his death approached, he said to his disciples, in my father's house are many rooms. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you and I'll come back and take you to be with me there. John 14. Now Jesus came to share Joseph's house in Nazareth for a time to be our saviour in order that we could share the Father's house in heaven with him forever as our king. 
the remarkable outcome of the obedience of Jesus, God the Son, was the opening of a way whereby people could be adopted into the family of God, the Father, enabling them to truly name him our Father who is in heaven. These ones are able to share the same intimate relationship with God as does Jesus their Saviour. That is a big concept for us mortals to grasp. But it is true. Well now some summing up. There are some parallels with what we found in chapter 1 of course because this is the way God works amongst people. There are people who um, are surprising ones who enter into the story. Rome and Athens were the great places of the day but Luke is interested in Bethlehem and Nazareth and Jerusalem and its temple. There are more incidents of supernatural intervention but again carefully explained. And chapter 2 from Luke specifically turns our attention to the one called Jesus who will save his people from their sins. Now Luke presented Theophilus with facts on which Christianity is based, believing that his reader would find there truth that was sound and trustworthy, a sure foundation for his faith. In this chapter, Luke has described the coming of that promised Messiah. He has told us first what an angel said. The angel said that he is the Saviour. He is Christ. He is the Lord. The Saviour who saves us from our sins, the Anointed One whom God empowered to do that in order that he could bring us into a relationship with God which would transform us now and forever. He tells us what a believing man said, that that message would be for all people, Gentiles and Jews. Thirdly, he tells us what Jesus said about himself and his relationship with God. A relationship that is now open to all who will choose to believe. Now the Christian faith includes signs and sometimes wonders, but these are not left as mystifying events for us to decide what they might mean. They are affirmed by words, that establish truth, offering salvation to all. 
Jesus, the Son of God, came into our world so that we could become children of God forever. The Apostle John expressed this intimate relationship this way. To all those who believed in his name, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. But we have to choose about this. Are you one of them? It's all useless unless we decide to accept what God has done. Don't get lost in the fancy things, but see the big picture. Salvation is available to all, but each one must decide. Do you have a time when that happened for you? That is so important. The message is so much more than a manger and the story is so much wider, so much bigger than Bethlehem. It determines my future destiny. Luke wanted Theophilus to know this truth about Jesus but God wants all people to know about the same truth about the same Jesus and we get a glimpse of, of these two comings of Jesus his first one in several ways establishes the pattern for his second coming we are thankful for that one in the past but the more important one we must be ready for Luke has helped us to understand this truth about Jesus truth that is of great significance regarding God's unfolding plan of salvation for the world and for its people John also wrote about these things at a later time and he wrote to some Christian believers who were having a hard time regarding their faith maybe that's where we're heading but what does he say he says these words in 1st John first letter of John and chapter 5 here are the words on the screen and notice that he says the son of God has come But then he goes on to say, we may know him. And if we do choose and believe, then we are in him. And he is the true God. So as we conclude this morning, will you pray those words together with me? Let us pray. We... Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true.
even in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Therefore, let us keep ourselves from idols. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.